You're listening to the Island Church Podcast. If you'd like more information or to donate to this ministry, visit islandchurch.tv. We're going back to the book of John. We've been in the book of John. Uh, We started actually in 2018, toward the end of uh, 2018. I told you then we were going to be in a series for a couple years, which is very non-traditional for a lot of churches that do three and four week series. But there's something so awesome about taking a book of the Bible and walking through it, and it's as relevant and it's as pertinent and alive for us where we're at today as anything we could have have chose to speak on. It's, it's more relevant than the news that's just popping up on your, on your phone right now. It's alive and it's real and it's relevant and pertinent to 21st century living. Uh, this morning, the second song, I loved every song that we sang today, Ain't No Grave. They introduced that on Easter this past year and it has just exploded every time we sing it. But that second song, about light in the darkness, Luke wrote that song about this John series. When we started the series of John, he wrote that right out of John chapter one. And uh, this has been just an incredible journey looking at Jesus uh, through the eyes of John. John was Jesus' best friend. Now, how many know you get a little bit different perspective when you see or hear about someone from their best friend? Well, John is Jesus' best friend. In fact, it was John that Jesus allowed to write the book of Revelation, gave him this incredible insight to the end times. And so John has some some special insights, and I've loved looking at it. We're going to pick up today, and it's at a perfect place. We stopped for the Christmas season, and uh, now we're getting back into it, and uh, we're starting with John chapter 10. And John 10, 10 is actually my favorite verse in the Bible. It was my dad's favorite verse and refer to it often. What's fascinating is to see it in context. You know, we're great at taking a verse out of the Bible and taking it out of context. We, we do it a lot as, as Americans, American Christianity. And, and a lot of times it, it works, I suppose. But, but really, when you read the word in context, you see this, The thief comes not but for to kill, to steal, and destroy, but I've come that you might have life and that you might have it abundantly. When you see it in the context of both sides of that verse, and Jesus is actually talking about a shepherd, talking about sheep, and you see what what the true meaning is. It's everything that we, we say it is, and we quote it in the realm of spiritual warfare, but it is so powerful to understand in the context of him being a good shepherd, and that's what we're going to look at today. It's interesting, you know, we have different names for groups of animals. Some are real familiar. Uh, We talk about a herd of cows. We talk about a pack of wolves. We talk about a school of fish. But there are some other Animals, the collective term for other animal groups are less known. For instance, a group of geese is called a gaggle. You knew that. How about a group of crows? A murder. A a group of falcons is a cast. A group of whales, everyone knows, is a pod. A group of stingrays is a fever. 
a group of jellyfish. It was a bad day. <laughs> no, it's a smack. A group of hyenas is called a cackle. I love this one. A group of giraffes is called a tower. A group of pandas is called an embarrassment. It's also called a sleuth, but it's an embarrassment as well. We know a group of lions is a pride. A group of leopards is a leap. A group of jaguars is a shadow. Last night I was going through this and I was asking Liz, do you know what this is? Do you know what this is? Do you know what this is? And I came to this one. I said, okay, Liz, a group of porcupines. She goes, a prickle. I said, how did you know that? She said, I guessed. I can't believe I got it right. She was, a group of skunks is called a stench. That's, that's good, isn't it? A group of frogs is called an army. We have an army of frogs on the back of our house all summer long. Little green frogs, they make a mess. A group of toads is called a knot. Here's a couple of really good ones. A group of rhinoceroses are called a crash. And a group of hippopotamuses is called a bloat. I thought that is appropriate as well. What's that have to do with the message today? I'm glad you asked. John chapter 10 has a lot to say about sheep. And, and we understand in modern terms that sheep can be called a flock or a herd. The word flock is used over 200 times in the Bible. That's fascinating. We've been going through this, this book and We've, we've discovered, we've told you that as we walk through it, there are seven I am's in the book of John. And one of the I am statements is I am the bread of life. We've looked at I am the light of the world. Well, today we're looking at I am the door or I am the gate. And uh, I, think you, I think you're gonna see this passage of scripture today, I pray that God would give me a grace to be able to paint a picture for us to see this incredible passage and how God wants us to, to respond to him as a good shepherd. John chapter 10 and verses one through 10. And it says this, truly, truly, I say to you. Now when he says truly, truly, and he does twice in this passage, he, he's saying, listen, 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 really good. I'm He's trying to get our attention. It's an emphasis when he repeats a word like that. So truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens, the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he had brought out all his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus said again, again, here's this emphasis, truly, truly, listen, listen, guys, grab a hold of this, is what he's saying. Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. 
All who come before me are thieves and robbers. The sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to kill, only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they might, that they may have life and have it abundantly. You know, most of us don't know a lot about sheep. We know some if we've been in the church and we've we understand the 23rd Psalm, and in fact, in your sermon notes that you can find through your bulletin there that you can find the sermon notes online this morning, you can email those to yourself, you can have them for the week. I also put in your scripture reading the 23rd Psalm. We understand the Lord is my shepherd. We understand that we are referred to as sheep. There's some, there's some understanding, but most of us in this room, there may be someone um, but I, I never raised sheep. I raised some, I raised some pigs, some hogs, and I raised some chickens, and I raised, I raised some cows. But I never, never had any sheep, and so I don't totally get them. But what I do understand is, in the context of scripture and in the context of study of understanding Jesus as shepherd and how that relates to us, we understand that the Bible refers to us as sheep. Psalm 100, one of my favorite Psalms, says, says this. It says, make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands, serve the Lord with gladness, come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord is God, and it is he that has made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. He refers to us, not just as children, we're his people, we're his children, but he also refers to us as the sheep of his pasture. So with that in mind, we're looking today at sheep and how Jesus is the, the door, he's the gate, and how Jesus is the good shepherd. So if you're taking notes, you can jot it down. They'll be on the large screen for you. you. Again, you follow online. Here's the first thing I want you to know. Jesus is the shepherd who calls out his sheep. In John 10 and verse 3, to, the, to him the gatekeeper opens, the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Now, in order to really understand what this passage is saying and what Jesus is trying to teach, you need to understand two, two different sheep pens. The first sheep pen is, is of, a, of a larger area, a larger sheep pen. Outside of every community, there was a larger sheep pen that would hold about 100 sheep. Archaeologists have uncovered and unearthed and found these, these sheep pens outside of communities. And so what happened is multiple shepherds, when they would come to town, they would bring their flock. Their flock was usually about 20 sheep. So they would bring their sheep and they would go to this sheep pen, this larger sheep pen, and they would all put their sheep in that pen and it was for a short stay, maybe overnight, 
while the shepherd went to town, while he would get his supplies, maybe get some, some rest, and then he would come back in the morning and he would call to his sheep. He would call them out and, and as, when he would call them out, the sheep would come to the front. They would hear that shepherd's voice. They would make their way to the sheep gate and then they would follow him. Just as we've read in scripture, they would follow him out into greener pastures. There's a couple of spiritual truths. There's really three here that I want you to note. And the first is this. It's that he calls his sheep by name. Now again, there's over 100 sheep in this community pen, multiple shepherds. The individual shepherds, they go to town, into town, they do whatever they need to do. When they come back out, they call their sheep. Now get this, they call them by name. So you can see that shepherd walking up to that larger sheep pen going, hey Clarabelle, hey Billy Bob, hey Billy Joe, hey Bobby Joe, hey Barbara Joe, hey Fluffy, hey Jojo. And he's calling them by name because the shepherd knew each one of the sheep in his flock of 20. He knew his sheep personally and he calls them by their personal name. Now there's an obvious parallel that I, I'll just go ahead and recognize. And it's this, Jesus is a good shepherd. We all get that, amen? All right, here it is. He knows each one of us individually. He doesn't just see the Island Church this morning as a group of people. But he sees Liz, he sees Stan, he sees Bob, he sees Maria, he sees Ryan, he sees Fred. He is a personal savior. In fact, as we've walked through the book of John, what have we noticed? He's great at one-on-ones. He's a one-on-one -on -one God. Hello? He was great with John the Baptist. There was some one-on-one -on -one there that took place. But what about one-on-one -on -one with Nicodemus? Nicodemus came to him at night. The dialogue. How about the woman at the well? Rejected. No one wanted to be around her, but one-on-one. -on -one, so radically changed her life, she goes to town and says, you've got to come here and hear this man. He's told me everything about me. She was despised by everyone. But one-on-one, -on -one, Jesus spoke into her life, totally restored. How about the paralyzed man at the pool of Bethesda? How about the blind man from birth? See, Jesus redeems individuals, not groups. One time he was walking through Jericho and he looked up in a tree and he saw this little guy. His name was Zacchaeus. He says, Zacchaeus, I want you to come down from that because I'm going to your house for dinner. So Jesus knows your name this morning. He knows your need. He knows why, why you're here. He knows your heart. Some of you have lost loved ones. You're grieving. 
Some of you are going through some of the most difficult days of your life. Some of you are having health issues. Some of you are marital issues. Some of you, life's just kind of become a, a grind. It's just a every day and you've lost some joy. He knows all those things. He is a very personal God. You know, it's in your notes, Psalm 23. We didn't take time to read it, but it's interesting in verse number one of Psalm 23, it says, the Lord is my shepherd. Doesn't say he's our shepherd, but he is my shepherd. He knows you and he's called you by name. Here's the second thing I want you to notice in this is that his sheep recognize his voice. His sheep recognize his voice. You know, I, uh, I, I raised some calves. I, I spent most of my summers, I had, a, I had a landscape business. I didn't know it was a landscape business. I just mowed yards. But now as I'm older, I recognize I had my own landscape business. But really, I just mowed yards. And my dad said I had the best of both worlds because I used his mower and his gas and I wanted to keep the money. But then as I got older, junior high, late junior high and high school, hauled hay every summer for a living. And in college, I started working on this cattle ranch. I'd travel and preach a lot, but I, I worked on this cattle ranch and they, they were very kind. I got to work as much as I want when I was there and I could work from sun up till sun, sun down. The foreman that I, on that job, he was a rough old guy. And uh, first time I ever met him, it was the middle of July. He had overalls on with no shirt, a sock cap, and he was carrying a shotgun. And I thought, dear Lord, what have I got myself into here? But he and I became best of friends. And he had grown up on a dairy. And he always had an old milk cow or two. And he would milk the cows, but he would raise some, some calves, some bottle calves. And so he got me, got me into that. And I would buy bull calves off of a dairy. Nobody would want to, uh, the, they didn't want to keep the bull calves. They kept all the heifer calves. Occasionally I'd get one or two, but I'd buy these bull calves and I would bottle, bottle feed them. But one occasion I was able to buy a, a heifer, a Holstein heifer, and, and man, I gave her special attention. She grew. Oh my goodness, she was beautiful. And she sprouted up. She was a tall, good-looking heifer, if you ever saw one before. Now remember, I'm talking about a cow right now. And I called her beauty. We were checking cow, cows one morning, and they were, it was a calving season, and and, and there was a Holstein, in one of the herds, there was a Holstein cow that had died giving birth. That little baby calf was out there. And when we got out there, we were driving around the truck. When we found it, man, it was, bah! it was crying for it. It's my mama. And uh, so I said, hey, I'll take that calf. They ended up letting me have it. And and I called that calf squeaky because it would just cry out all the time. And I raised, raised her up. She even won a blue ribbon at the 4-H fair. How about that? And uh, I had another calf. It'd come, when, it, when I'd call it up, man, it would buck and kick. And so I called it Bucky. I took Liz home 
one, one weekend, first time she went home with me, meet my mom and dad, and I, these calves had all grown up, and I probably had, I don't know, 25 or 30 of them in a field, and they were about ready to sell. They were getting up towards 700 pounds a piece, so they were good size. And I went out in the field, and I take Liz with me, and I called them, and I had the way I called them, and when I called them, they come running. They were snorting, kicking. They ran up to me, and they were rubbing their head on me, and I'd grab a hold of their ears, or some of them had little ant uh, horns, and, I, and I'd grab their horns, and Liz is like, what is going on right here? I told her, I said, baby, this is going to be good for you because those calves ended up buying her wedding and engagement ring. So they were a good thing. <laughs> they, they knew their name. They knew when I called them. Now, if you got pets, you understand that. Your pe our pets, we call them, and they come running. We had a dog named Maggie. We've had a couple dogs. Maggie was so proud. She was a, a Scottish Terrier, cold, black, beautiful. She probably was a show dog. We got her from the pound. And Liz wanted her. We, Fred, that's the dog. We brought her in, looked around, you know, and she walked around. And I promise you, this is the absolute truth. Liz says, that's the one. I said, Liz, that dog growled at me all the whole time we were in that room. No, it didn't. It would walk by Liz and smile, and it would walk by me and show me its teeth like that. That's true. We went round and round, and she ended up becoming my dog. There must have been a man that had abused her or something, but, but she, was, she was precious. I loved, loved that dog. That killed me when she passed away. But we'd come home, and if she had got in the trash can, which she didn't do very often, she'd be sitting beside it looking at us, and we'd walk through the door, and I'd go, she even understood by the tone of my voice. I'd say, Maggie. She'd sit down on, all, on her rear end like this, and she would walk towards me, scooting on her rear end. <laughs> she knew she was in trouble. You know, we understand that with our, with our pets. We, we get how that is. Well, we understand that when God calls our name, if an animal, we can figure that out, we are created in his image. And he calls, when he calls those of us being created in his image, mankind, we hear his voice. Listen, we may not know it, but we really do know it's Jesus. That's calling our name. Animals and their owners have a way of communicating. The same way the shepherd's voice is recognized by, by his sheep. Here's my question, it's obvious. Are you in the flock? Are you listening for his voice? Have you heard his voice? See, I think sometimes we... We get so distracted. See, God's always calling. He's always speaking. But we're not always listening. There's times, Liz, I'll be in the bedroom, I'm watching a ball game, especially during Christmas time, holiday season. I can pretty much tell you how that Hallmark movie's gonna end in there in the living room. In fact, I'm about 100 for 100 on how they're ending. But I don't know how that ball game's going to end, so I'm going to watch it. And she'll say, Fred, Fred. She'll come in, Fred, did you hear me? I say, yeah, I heard you. I wasn't listening to you, but I heard you. 
Men, anybody identify? I know you're putting your hand up because she told you to, didn't she? There's a difference between hearing and listening. And, and are you listening or are we so busy and so enamored by this world and the lust of the eyes, the lust of flesh, the pride of life, the flesh, the world, the devil, that we don't hear, receive that still small voice. See, the shepherd is calling us out of that community pen. That community pen that has about 100 sheep in it, that really, that represents the world. That, that community pen had a buildup of dirt and debris and dung. There wasn't a blade of grass in it. The odor was atrocious. The flies were swarming. It was a place of filth. And the shepherd knew his, his sheep couldn't survive there. It was just a temporary place, but then he was gonna lead it to green pastures. He was gonna take it to a place where it could be nourished and fulfilled. Isn't it, a, isn't it an incredible picture? I know you already see it. The world is a filthy place. Filth of immorality and perversion. Sodom and Gomorrah, violence. And yet God today, that good shepherd is calling us out. And he's saying, come out of that place. I wanna take you to a place where you can be nourished, where you can have strength and where you can have rest. The word church is, is called ecclesia. The ecclesia means this. It means called out ones. And Jesus has called us by name. He's called us out of this world, this dirty, filthy world that we live in. He's calling us out of the world to follow him. It's an incredibly, incredible, beautiful picture. So he calls us out. We call that salvation. He calls our name. I can remember my dad. My dad wasn't raised in church, didn't want anything to do with God, lived in the world, lived hard in the world. Went to a revival service with my mom, was his girlfriend at the time, said he heard the gospel preached for the first time, went home, told his mom, said, Mom, I heard, I heard the best news I've ever heard in my life. All his life was, he said, was playing baseball. He wanted to play, play pro ball. He was playing on City League's teams. He'd been, uh, he, there's articles that we have, the, he, the Cardinals and the Yankees, there was a number of teams that were looking at him. He, he lived, ate, and slept, but he said, my whole life was baseball. My whole life was, he said, all I did was sit at, play baseball, sit at the bar, drink beer, smoke Lucky Strikes, and listen to Born to Lose. And he said, that night I heard about Jesus and I went home and told mom, mom, I think I'm gonna get saved and I think I'm gonna be a preacher. She rolled over in bed, said, that's great, honey, and went back to sleep. He went back the next night and he gave his heart to the Lord Jesus. He said, I heard in my, not, not, not audibly, but I heard in my spirit, I heard the Holy Spirit say, Freddie, Freddie, he said, no one ever spoke my name like that. I believe this morning, the Holy Spirit is calling you by name to say, come out, come out. 
come out. I have something better for you. Let me show you this. He's our good shepherd and he is speaking. He is calling out his sheep. Here's the second thing. Jesus is the shepherd. He is the source of security. Verses seven through nine, it says, so Jesus again said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. See, he's the shepherd that takes care of his sheep. He's wanting to take us out of this dry, dirty world where there's no substance, nothing to feed us, and take us to a place where we can be nourished. We also know from history and from archeology span that just like there were these community pens, that out on the green pastures, there were smaller pens that have been unearthed. Places where the shepherd would lead the sheep in to be safe and he would sit as a, as a gate, as the doorkeeper and the sheep couldn't get out and they couldn't come in unless they passed by him. These smaller areas held about 20 and he literally became the door of the sheepfold. If the sheep went out or came in, it went through the shepherd. So once Jesus calls us from the world for salvation, then he becomes the gate. Now listen to this. He becomes the gate for personal security. And why do you think the Bible calls us sheep? Have you ever thought, man, I wish he'd have called me a lion. I wish he'd have called me something besides a sheep. Couldn't he have chose another animal? But we're most often referred to as sheep. Why? Well, it's a few reasons. Number one is sheep are helpless creatures. And number two... Sheep are some of the dumbest creatures in God's kingdom. You never see, you never say, you never see this. Hey, come to the circus. We have incredibly trained sheep. Come and watch the sheep perform. Sheep don't perform. They just eat. They're just there. Think about this. Sheep also hammer and batter each other. They hit heads, lock horns, carry on. Sometimes they will run in panic. Philip Keller, who wrote a book on the 23rd Psalm, and that's probably a, would be a good one. It's an older book that gives you insight concerning the shepherd. But he says this, he says that he, he worked as a shepherd when he grew up as a missionary kid in Africa. And he said he's seen sheep run and scatter and just keep running because they were fearful of a rabbit that was, that was making noise coming out of, the, out of a bush. Sheep, on the other hand, can just stare in the eyes of a lion that's about ready to destroy it. Sheep at other times will huddle up 
into a tight-knit ball to protect itself as, and watch as a lion picks them off one by one. By one. It, it's, a, it's amazing how sheep respond. Sometimes they go in the water. They can't get out of the water. They can't get out of trouble. And in reality, it really is a good picture of mankind. I mean, I've seen people beat each other up verbally, physically, but verbally, batter one another. People filled with fear. There's more fears and anxieties. We've got more anxieties. You look up phobias. There's more phobias than Carter's got pills. There are phobias about everything. It's mankind. Sheep are filled with fear. Mankind is filled with fear. So because we're like sheep, God offers us some things. And when, when we're referred to as sheep, when you think of us as being like sheep, it's a little bit, it feels like a little bit of a slap in the face to me. But I also get the fact, and it helps me to understand this, I am fragile. I do have insecurities. There are fears that I deal with. I am helpless. There's certain, I, I, you know, I need God. I need people. He didn't create us to live isolated lives. And so because we're like sheep, there's some things that we find in Jesus. And, and I'll wind this down with just these thoughts. Here's, here's what we find. We find refuge. We find refuge in Jesus. See, the shepherd literally would put his body in the gateway to protect the sheep. Think about the world in which we live. The fears and anxieties, there's North Korea, there's Iran that threatens security. After 9-11, the United States government created Homeland Security Agency. We have the NSA, the National Security Agency. We have the TSA, the Transportation Safety Agency. We've got 47,000 TSA agents. Yet people still don't feel totally safe. The only security that you'll ever find is when you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Oh, you didn't get it. Let me say it again. The only security you will ever find is in a relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen. It's the truth. Psalm 23 Verse four says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. I'm in the valley, there's death, there's anxiety, there's fear, there's heartbreak, but I will fear no evil. You're with me. The rod and your staff, the rod, it was like a club and a shepherd would throw it at the sheep, not to hurt them, not hard, but to get their attention, throw it beside to get them back in line or to take that club and to literally beat off the lions that would attack. The staff, that staff is there. It's like a, a long walking cane with a question mark on top. Sheep are not affectionate. So sometimes he'd have to hook onto one to pull it, to get it to him so he could take care of it, get it out of the water, get it out of trouble to help get it back into the flock, to lift it out of a gully or off of a cliff. And so the rod and I staff, he is a good shepherd. I'm thankful, I'm thankful 
that I find refuge. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power and love and a sound mind. Amen. He is my refuge. What about this? I find refreshing. He is my refreshment. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. Do you know the only time a sheep will lie down is when its belly is full? The good shepherd wants to give us nourishment. And I'm not just talking about physical food now. I'm talking about security. I'm talking about peace. I'm talking about calming our minds. You know what? We don't calm down. We go, 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 go. We can't sleep, 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 sleep at night. We have to have this, this, this. There's always something. And, and, and no wonder we don't hear his voice. This world, it's always such. A.J. Cronin, a Christian doctor, did a study on worry a few years ago. He interviewed thousands of people. Here's what he determined. 60% of what people worry about never happened. 30% of the things people worry about, it's already happened. It's in the past. Of the remaining 10% of issues, 7% had nothing to do uh, with things that, that even uh, are in your control. So why worry about them? It's like things like the weather, which leaves only 3% that are legitimate concern. And his prescription was this. You need to turn that negative energy of worry into a positive problem-solving effort. But oh, how we feel like worry. Let me just remind you, worry is not a fruit of the Spirit. It's not a positive. Some of you feel like that's your gift. It's not your gift. Worry doesn't remove the sorrow of tomorrow. It only robs the joy of today. You know, it's been said that when you can't sleep, you need to count sheep. Wrong. Why count sheep? Sheep, sheep have their issues. You know what I'm going to say, don't you? Why don't we talk to the shepherd? Because he's the one who gives us ref, rest, refuge, and refreshment. I close with this. We find renewal. John 10, 10, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I've come that you might have life. When you see, when you see death and destruction and, and, and deceit, you know that Satan has been at work and been at work in someone's life. Jesus has come to give us life. Life, abundant life. Everyone has bios. Everyone has a physical life, but not everyone has this spiritual life, this abundant life. And there's really not a good word. We use, we use Zoe, but it's really not the best word. There's really not a good word in our translation for abundant life. So let me try to explain it this way. It is a quality of life that is above and beyond normal living. Has nothing to do with circumstance. It's above and beyond normal living. Let me illustrate it in, the, in, the, in some natural things. It, but I want you to understand, I'm not talking about just material things. This is really a spiritual principle. But let me illustrate it in a natural way that will maybe help us see the spiritual. When Liz and I, we were probably 35 years old, 
um, we were pastoring, pastoring in Illinois and there was a revival that was happening over in Pensacola and we wanted to go and see what that was all about. And so it was the first time this ever happened in our life. When we went to the airport, the lady, the lady told us this. We got there. She said, she said, I'm gonna, I'm gonna need to bump you up. I'm gonna need to put you in first class. Now understand, we had never been in first class. Well, we had been, but it was just to walk through it. And it was such a cool thing for us. It, it was, it was this, this upgrade. A lot of people don't get what an upgrade is. It's like when you go to the counter and, and you, you, you said, you know, you've, you've reserved a Toyota Corolla. We're out of Toyota Corollas, but we've got a brand new Lincoln. We got a brand new Cadillac. We got a Jaguar for it. That is an upgrade. Same cost. How many say it's an upgrade? It's when you go to the hotel and they say, you know what? We don't just have a room for you. We're going to have to put you in a corner suite. It's an upgrade. Let me draw, let me draw the parallel. Abundant life in Jesus. You hear his voice and he saves us. He takes us out and he takes us into the pasture and he takes us into this safe place. Here's what happens. There's an upgrade. There is an upgrade. I'm not telling you that getting saved is a better life. Because not everyone who gets saved, it's a better life. You get saved in North Korea, it could mean the end of your life. Getting saved means a changed life. And how many understand, we need a changed life. We need something to happen for us that we can't do for ourselves that only God can do. So he gives us a changed life. But here's how it affects us. We get an upgrade in attitude. Oh, come on now. I'll close if you'll help me. <laughs> we need an upgrade in our attitude. How many of you with a lousy attitude understand? God can help you to have a better attitude. Yeah. So that you're not just this sourpuss always down, always the devil's advocate. It's an upgrade in outlook that you don't see the glass. It's just half empty. You see it half full. You see things different. You see things through the eye of faith. You see things with the potential that with God, all things are possible. It's an upgrade in the way we live life. It's an upgrade in joy. Listen, I might have all hell breaking loose around me. The doctor may have given me a death sentence. It may be hell at home. I may be having a hard time making ends meet and paying rent and everything else. But the Bible says that he guards our heart and that there's a joy that passes all understanding. Amen? That's what you find in the Lord. It's an upgrade in our joy. See, Jesus is calling some folks out of a dirty old world into an upgraded life, into a life, it's not saying that you're gonna get a new house and a new car. It's not saying everything's gonna be roses and hunky-dory, but there's gonna be a transformation and a change and all things pass away and all things become new and there's a new attitude and a new outlook and a new hope and there's a heaven to gain. What a God we serve, amen? He is the good shepherd. 
Thanks for listening to the Island Church Podcast. For more information, visit islandchurch.tv.